0: Good afternoon, Scott Bruder here with another episode of Glory to God on the go. Uh, This will be number three with the Woodlands Online, number 14 for G2G OTG. If you've ever seen any of the Glory to God on the goes, Glory to God on the go, uh, you can find those on YouTube, but uh, Woodlands Online and I have come together uh, with uh, Showstopper over here. Uh, who also produces um, the uh, sports talk show that Jay Mickens and I do, which is excellent. So you need to watch that when you get a chance. Um, So anyway, we're going to jump right into this uh, because this is going to be very good. Now, I I do know that uh, first episode uh, of Glory to God was about 35 minutes. And then the last one, uh, this number two was uh, about 40 minutes. So I'm going to try to keep this to about 25 minutes because I want to make sure, like, grab your time, grab your attention and, uh, and get you going where, where you need to be going as long as you're uh, following along and writing and along with us in the Bible. So, uh, again, not a pastor, not a preacher, just an evangelist of the God's good word. The Holy Spirit works through me. So whatever he works through me, I'm giving to y'all. So I'm excited about it, and uh, by the by chance, just to let you know, this is not me. So good Lord gives me what I uh, give to you, and I hope it helps. And if it does, fantastic! Give us a thumbs up on uh, Woodlands Online on Facebook, and uh, we're definitely gonna uh, share this with as many people as we can because if it touches one person, one soul, and they uh, get saved at the end of the day, then that's that's fantastic, and that's and that's all we want to do as far as planting those seeds and making sure that. Uh, we're watering those seeds as well. So we're going to water, we're going to plant, we're going to do all that right here, right here on Glory to God on the go. Uh, so let's jump right into it. So as you can see my shirt today, I hope you can see that. Uh, it is faith, right? And so we're going to talk about God's grace and his faith and, and what that is in him, what it means to us. Um, we can't earn his grace, but we can give him the faith that, that we need to give him. So a couple little tidbits of information. Grace is mentioned 156 times in the New Testament, and the word faith appears 336 times in the King James Version. So it's very interesting. Other Bibles have different various uh, accounts of, of grace and faith, but that's pretty much the, the average. And we're talking uh, King James, which is a good version, obviously, of, of the Bible. Uh, it's got the these and nows. So if if you're reading the King James and it's a little tough if you're new to the Bible, uh, then find another Bible that's a little bit more um, easier to read for you. So uh, there are dozens of them out there, lots of them out there that, that can help you out with that. So jumping right into it. Grace is God's relentless forgiveness to sinners and that we believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That. Uh, he gifts us with this grace. It is something that we can't earn, uh, not by works or anything that we do, uh, but that He gives it to us freely, which is fantastic because it's not for me to decide what grace God's going to give me. And it's not, me, it's not for me to decide, but it is for me to decide, excuse me, that the grace that I can give others. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So by saying yes to God's plan, we demonstrate our faith to Him. And so uh, we get saved through grace, but through our faith, saved by grace through our faith. But we also live by the grace through faith. So our faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, is what develops that relationship between he and I, between you and him, between him and us. So as we are reaching for him and and pulling him closer to us, please God, come closer to me. I want to feel your spirit in, my, in me. Then he is lifting us up, especially when times get a little tough, right? Especially right now in the world the way it is today. Times are tough. And as we go to him and, and we have faith that he is going to take care of this for us, then he is going to lift us up. And I've got four great stories about how, A human's faith in the Lord has produced much grace and and fruitfulness from having that grace and having that faith in him. So um, first one we're going to talk about, these are great uh, stories from the Bible uh, of true, true, true faith. And so our main point is here is that when we have faith, we listen to God and we obey God. So, and again, that's not a bunch of rules and a bunch of do's and don'ts. And, and it's just the way that you understand your relationship with him. There are things that he wants you to do. There are things that he doesn't want you to do. But it just it makes perfectly good sense of why he doesn't want you to do these things. And he wants you to do these things. It, it makes great sense. But let's get to it. Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 22. And it says here, now, after these things, God tested the faith and commitment of Abraham, right? And said to him, Abraham, and Abraham answered, here I am, God, take now your son, your only son, and the one that he promised to Abraham that him and Sarah would have. This is the first uh, son that Abraham and Sarah had together. And remember, they they were old when they had this kid, right? To whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering. What? Holy moly! So God said to Abraham earlier in the story, and and you can read for yourself. He said, Abraham, I want you to have as many children as there are stars in the sky. If you can count those stars, that's how many children you're going to have. Because he was seventy five years old. Him and, and Sarah both were very old. People don't typically have babies uh, when women, especially when they're seventy five years old. So. You're going to have many, many children. Well, now the first one he has with Sarah, uh, he has to go and sacrifice him on an altar as a burnt offering. What? Abraham wakes up the next morning, packs up everything he's, he needs to take with him some wood to light the fire, uh, he takes a couple guys to help him with everything, and he takes Isaac and he heads to Moriah. Holy moly. So, When he heads, when he goes there, he tells, he gets to the place where God said, I'm going to tell you where to go. And so they're just walking through the wilderness, whatever. God says, "Er, here's the place. He sets those two guys there, says, y'all wait here. Me and Isaac are going to go do our sacrifice. They're walking up the mountain. Isaac says, well, Father, where is the the lamb that we're going to sacrifice to? Uh, to the Lord, and he says, don't worry, son, the Lord will provide the, 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 the ram for us, so they get up to the top, uh, Abraham takes Isaac, he binds his hands, and he puts the wood on the altar, he places Isaac on the altar, he pulls out his knife, now mind you, he is about to sacrifice his only son, think about what's going on in his head right now, and he is just giving it all to Lord, Lord, if this is what you told me to do, this is what I'm going to do. And me, as a human being, I, I have a 14-year-old son, which is about how old Isaac was. Boy, I, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could obey God like that. I, I would hope to think I could. But please, God, don't give me something like that to do. Um, and Abraham lifts the knife, and he's about to drive it into Isaac. And the Lord says... Abraham, stop. And so Abraham's like, oh my gosh, are you serious? I was just about to drive my knife to him. And Abraham turns around and there's a ram stuck in a, in a bush. And so now he has the ram to sacrifice. And so he makes the trade, takes Isaac off, takes the ram. Him and Isaac make the sacrifice. Think about what goes on in Isaac's head right there. But imagine the faith you would have to have. To listen and obey God and do what He did to sacrifice His only Son. Holy moly! Ooh, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. But that is immense, immense faith that Abraham 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 had. So that was one story. Going to another one: Moses, parting of the Red Sea, Exodus fourteen. So then, so. Okay, so obviously Moses leads everybody out of uh, Egypt, right? The Pharaoh is not happy about this. Those were all his slaves, millions of people. Moses leads them out. They're moving out into the wilderness. They're going to the promised land, milk and honey. They're excited, and they get stuck basically right there where God told them to go. Just meander around until I tell you where to stop, and they stop right there at the Red Sea. They got the Red Sea in front of them. They got Egypt way back there. Right. But God says, you know what? I'm going to put hard hearts into the Pharaoh and I'm going to make the Pharaoh come chase y'all. Right. These are all his plans. And so Moses is like, OK, Lord, I have faith. That this is you know, you're doing what you're doing because this is what you do. So uh, Pharaoh gathers his armies. They come chasing after the the, the Israelites. The, and next thing you know, they're there at the Red Sea. So now Uh, Moses and all the people are sitting there looking up at the hill and there's Pharaoh and his army with chariots and horses and all kinds of people and, and, and soldiers and they're freaking out. So Moses says, don't worry. Don't worry, my children. Have faith. The Lord will provide for us. Okay, he says, then Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see again. And why is that? Because Moses turns around, he raises his staff up, and he says, Lord, you need to help your people now. And next thing you know, the walls of the Red Sea open up. And there's dry land down there. So all of the Israelites, he, he tells Moses, lead them into the, into the dry land and walk across this sea. And so they do. They go and they walk across the sea. Next thing you know, they're on the other side. And what's happening is that the Egyptian soldiers, they're like, we're cool. We can do this, man. We're going to go get them. Pharaoh says, you go get them. So bam, they start chasing them. Next thing you know, all of the Israelites are on the other side. And Moses turns around and the Red Sea starts falling, falling. Until it fills up again and all of the Egyptian soldiers were in there. Kills them all. Delivers his people from the Egyptians oh my gosh, just like he promised. Moses had faith that his God was going to provide a way out of that situation. Just like he did when the plagues came and he, he told uh, Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen. And it all happened because of the faith that he had in God. So Next one, and this is one of my favorites: David and Goliath. Many of you probably know the story of David and Goliath. But David was the eighth of eight kids, and the youngest. He was the, he was a kid when all of this went down, and it's very exciting. So Jesse was the dad. Um, he had his three oldest brothers uh, were following King Saul. They were fighting the Philistines. The Philistines they were they met at this one location. The Philistines were there. And so they were talking, um, by the way, this is, uh, in Samuel 17, which is a really good, excellent, uh, excellent story. So if you ever get a chance, you definitely want to read it. So, um, David's like, well, what's going on? What happens if somebody, uh, you know, kills this, 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 uh, Philistine giant, whatever. And they're like, oh, well, you know, this is what's going to happen. And his brother's like, why are you asking these questions? And he was like, I just want to know. And they're like, yeah, you just want to see the battle, whatever. You know, get, on, get come on, pipsqueak, get away. Well, no one's taken the offer of Goliath to fight one person, right? Goliath says, I will fight any of you. Send out your greatest warrior and I will fight him. And, and, uh, and if we win, then you will be our slaves. And if you win, we will be your slaves. And, and he's blaspheming God and just talking bad about him. And little David gathers up some stones, takes his staff. Now, mind you, David is a shepherd of sheep. And he's been into some pretty uh, nasty battles himself. Uh, a lion came and was taking some of his sheep, and he went out and chased the lion down, grabbed it by its whiskers, and killed the lion to take the sheep out of his mouth. He even killed a bear for peace sake. This, guy, this is a little dude. He's a kid, right? So next thing you know, he's telling King Saul, I can defeat this guy. With my faith in the Lord who will deliver me, I have beaten a lion. I've beaten a bear. This guy ain't nothing. And so David was a little cocky, so he goes out there and he says, "Hey, sir, you know, you blasphemer of my lord, I am going to take you down." And, and Goliath's like, "Man, I'm going to feed you to the birds and to the to the to the dogs, and man, they're going to eat your flesh." And blah. David's like, "No, I don't think so. In the name of my lord, I am going to." beat you down and cut off your head. And this is what he says. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Oh, this is so awesome. This kid is probably three feet shorter than Goliath, right? Goliath was a big dude. And he's telling this big guy, hey, man, you ain't nothing. Goliath's like, all right, let's get it on. David takes his sling, puts a rock in it. Hits Goliath right in the head. Matter of fact, hits him so hard in the head with that rock, it impales his head and knocks him out. David walks over there, takes Goliath's sword, which is huge, and off at your head. Cuts his head off. David wins, of course, but how does David win? David wins because of the faith that he had, that God was going to be with him and that had his back. Okay, one more story, and uh, and then we'll we'll get into the, the meat of this. This is this is awesome. This is <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories. So, in Daniel, um, Daniel was one who was fed to the lions. The lions didn't eat him because he prayed to God and said, "Lord." I hope these lions have already been fed, and then they're not going to eat me. And the king came out the next morning, and David wasn't eaten. But that's not the story. This is the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were David's best friends. I'm sorry, uh, Daniel's best friends. And um, King Nebuchadnezzar had had this big statue, gold statue um, of of himself built, and he said everyone's going to come out uh, to where it's built, and they're going to praise and worship. The big statue. And you're all going to come out and praise and worship it. And that's just the way it's going to be. Now, mind you, all of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and most of these people are people that when Nebuchadnezzar beat uh, Jerusalem and destroyed it, he brought all of them over as slaves. Okay? And you'll find this in 1 Samuel. So they, uh, they, uh, they go out. Everybody's there. They're getting ready. He says, all right, everyone bow. Well, everyone bows except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And why is that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And their soldiers tell uh, the king, tell Nebuchadnezzar, hey, these three guys, they're not bowing. And he says, well, come on up here. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset with you. So they, they go up there, and they're talking to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, why won't you bow down in front of me, or to my statue? And they said, look, we are not going to... Uh, bow down to any uh, statue. We have one God. He's our God. And matter of fact, uh, what they say is uh, they answer the king and say, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this point. If it is to be so, our God whom we serve and which they had full faith in is able to rescue us from the furnace of this blazing fire that you have. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They're telling the king that they fully well know that all he has to do is throw them in the fire, cut off their heads, whatever he wants to do, because he's the king. They are defying him, saying, look, our faith is so heavy. Our faith is so full in the God that we serve that we don't care what you do to us. Throw us in the fire. We know he's going to protect us. And if he doesn't, oh well, we'll be with him anyway. So... Nebuchadnezzar says, "All right, smart guys, let's go ahead. We're going to stoke this fire to where it's seven times hotter than what it normally is. It was so hot that when soldiers went up to to get close to the fire, it actually it, it burned them, and they were feet away from it. So sure enough, whoosh, they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and they're sitting there watching. Now, of course, if you're going to get thrown into a fire, your first reaction is ah, you know. So they get in the fire. Next thing you know." They're not screaming. They're not hollering. Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire and he says, uh, uh, didn't we throw three guys in the fire? And they're like, yeah, well, of course we did. King, you know, great king. And he says, well, then why is there four? And what he was seeing, he says, matter of fact, in the fourth one, even looks like the son of man. So who was that fourth one in the fire with them? So when they got thrown in the fire, they were praying to God, please, God, save us. That fourth one in the fire was Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit. It was it was the us when we talked about the us in the beginning, right? It was Jesus. He was the Son of Man, was standing in the fire with them, protecting them, putting that hedge of protection around them so they weren't burned. So they literally walked out of the fire, and because of their faith, they walked out of the fire unsinged. No no burn marks on. Them, no smoke marks. No, nothing. Nothing. As clean as they just got out of the shower, right? They walked out. Next thing you know, Nebuchadnezzar's like, okay, um, can't argue with that. So uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no one is ever going to bother you about your God. If he is so powerful that he can do this, then we're not going to touch it. And we're not going to argue with it. And that's just the way it's going to be. So your God is powerful, no doubt about it. Because of their faith, they were able to walk out of that fire and not be singed, nothing, because they knew what was going to happen. That ultimate faith that they had in the God, oh my gosh, they knew exactly what was going to happen. Very exciting. So, I wanted to share those three stories with you to tell you a little bit more about, uh, or just give you ideas to kind of put you back into the Bible, right? Exodus, uh, uh, Daniel, Samuel, uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, here in a minute uh, about some other uh, parts of the Bible, but Great stories in the Bible. And the Bible's full, full, full of great stories. So it is that this righteousness that is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? We all fall short, and we know that. And all are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Jesus was a gift to us from God to save us from our sins. So another aspect of God, what God wants from us, is that we repent of our sin. That, and repenting is turning away from it, walking away from it, not doing it anymore. We turn from our wicked ways, and that his grace will be abundant to us. His grace are like little presents that he's got up in a room for us up in heaven. And he's going to bestow those little gifts on us as we come to him and hold on to him and rely and trust and have faith in them, what he's going to do for us. And as we build our relationship with God and the renewal of our mind, and Through reading the Bible or giving thanks to him, praising him, worshiping him, uh, praying on all occasions and praying in the spirit and, and listening to his word, either in church or on uh, a radio show, or maybe you have one of those uh, little uh, Bible uh, recorders, things that, that, that are awesome. You know, as long as you are getting the word into your mind, typically by, by reading it more so than anything, right? As long as you're getting the word in your mind, you're drawing close to him. We get we have Bible apps for our phones, right? We have all of this available to us. And Hebrews eleven six uh, 6 says in the Bible, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those that earnestly and diligently seek him. So we have to be seeking him on a regular basis. Now, grace is what God gives us. And it truly is a gift, right? In Titus 2, 11, 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, notice it said, offers salvation to all people. Offers salvation to all people. He came here for all of us. Jesus came here for all of us. Not just a few chosen, not just a few handpicked, but he came here for all of us. That doesn't mean that all of us move towards him or believe in him or look at him as our Lord and Savior but he came here for all of us so I wanted to make that clear because I love these little snippets or little words that you can catch it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly possessions and to live self-controlled upright and, a godly, and godly lives in this present age, this age we're in today I don't think we're all doing that matter of fact, it's fact we're not all doing it and it it, it hurts a little bit You know, to see what's going on out there in the world today, which just proves to a point that he's coming soon. I don't know when he won't tell us, Um, but we need to be prepared. So and how does this happen? How does all of this, these godly lives in the present age, how does all this happen? The Holy Spirit guides us and he directs us and he helps us in these manners. Right. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, we're not being guided that way. Right. So grace is not something that you can work for or earn. It's not something that actually uh, we even deserve, right? However, it is a gift, and in that gift came through and is in Jesus Christ. So in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and in accordance with the riches of God's grace, our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's in Ephesians 1, 7. Grace comes to us often. The first breath we take in the morning, uh, narrowly escaping a close call, which I have narrowly escaped many close calls, oh my gosh, I could tell you some stories, but I don't want to. An unexpected blessing, something that is uh, that you, you don't know is even coming, right? It's a feeling or a calm experience every once in a while, and our faith drives our grace. right? If we have faith that we're God's going to work for us, he is going to work for us, and it happens daily in my life, because I know that if I give it to him, I put it in his hands, Give it to you, Lord. I cast my cares upon you because I know you will sustain me. And I know that you will let your righteous be free. So I know this. Psalms fifty-five twenty-two. So in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and according to the riches of God. If we know that we have redemption in his blood, then we need to make sure that we are giving that to him. Again, we can't earn grace by our works, even if we give all of our money to the poor, spend all of our time at church, spend all of our time uh, volunteering for this good deed or that good deed, giving giving our money away to to this person or that person. That's all good stuff, but we don't earn our grace by being a good person. Uh, Someone told me recently, I asked, you know, so what does it mean to be a Christian and, and to work your to, to make sure that your salvation is there oh, well just to be a good person that's not it it's giving your heart and your life to God right to Jesus Christ in 2 Thessalonians it says but the Lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one the best part of God's grace is that he protects us from Satan and that we have that grace built into us and we have that protection and we also have what He what is, uh, you'll find in Ephesians 6.10 is the armor of God we can put that on every morning, right? And we, the shield of faith, which extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we can defeat the evil one every single day. And we can even make our lives a little bit easier by putting on the armor. That's a whole other lesson that we'll talk on another time. But as your faith grows, God's grace grows with it. Use your spare time to talk to God. Be in His Word, reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, listening to some good um, uh, uh, talk shows that that are are promoting what Jesus does for us, why He came to this earth, why He, uh, he sacrificed Himself, and that He was crucified, and that He died, and He rose again three days later, and then He was He was resurrected, and He came and He He taught us even more, and then gave us the Holy Spirit, and then rose to heaven, where God took Him. Right? Show grace through words. Look for needs of others. Forgiveness to others. We talked about forgiveness last week. Say I'm sorry to people. This is you giving grace to them. So have the faith in yourself and, and in God that He is going to work His grace through you to you give those other. You're like a a clay pot that He is He is melded into this, and, and He is pouring the the oil which is the Holy Spirit. He's pouring that oil into you so that you can pour out into other people. But if He's going to pour His grace into you, you have to pour it out to others. Right? So go show your show your grace to others through your works, right? And through what you're doing. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God. And that's Ephesians two eight this is very important to understand that God always keeps his promises. It's very important to listen to God and to obey him in every way. Just as God made promises to Abraham, Moses, Joshua, which is another great story, and the walls of Jericho, David, um, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he made these promises to you as well. He doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just stop when Jesus died and Jesus rose. He doesn't just stop here or there or anywhere he continues to give that grace to you as long as you're trying to draw close to him so example God promises that if you put your trust in him and his son Jesus Christ he completely forgives you of all your sins gone done he'll keep this promise and yes God promises to always be with you God will keep this promise he promises; his, his promises are awesome that they are always for your good, not for bad or evil or make you feel bad. And when you dig into his word, you're also going to find the promises that your faith will grow. He will transform your mind so that you will learn his ways and draw closer to him. By studying God's word, you're also going to find out that there are some uh, promises that uh, he didn't make. For example, he didn't tell you... Um, That you weren't going to have problems in your life. He didn't tell you that there weren't going to go through tribulations, that there weren't going to be issues or there weren't going to have challenges. right? He reigns on the righteous as he reigns on the unrighteous. right? So there are going to be difficulties. But if we have faith that he's going to take care of those things, then he's going to take care of them. I I can't tell you how many stories I have. I want to tell you them all, but I can't tell you how many stories I have. Just recent stories, too, that he has totally come through on his faith, on my faith in him right? His grace to me. It's a two-way street, right? So I hope you were able to learn something today uh, about faith and what it means. And I hope you go and read those stories in the Bible too. Again, I'm so excited and on fire for what Jesus is doing in in me and in my family and in my church and and the revival that he's bringing to, to all of us. Um, There's some recent revival just specifically for me, which has been a gift from God, but it's amazing what he's doing in our lives right now. Whatever's going on in the world right now seems really ugly. It really does. But you know what? It's not that God's allowing it to happen, but he's allowing it to happen. There are things that are going on right now that we need to understand that we need to get really close to Jesus. So, if there is anyone out there that has not asked Jesus to come in, into their hearts, the Holy Spirit put it on, my, on me to, to, to help those that haven't. And so, um, if you want to, just put your hands together and repeat after me. You know, And I hope you do this. If, if, if you want to ask Jesus to come into your life and, and, to, and that you would have the same faith in him that, that he wants to give you the, the gifts of grace, then... Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died. And I believe that you were risen again. And I want to turn away from my sins. And I want to invite you into my heart. I want to invite you into my life. And I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And if you said that prayer, You have asked the good Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and by grace, he will save you. So if you meant it, he'll do that for you, and uh, I think that's exciting. So if you don't have a good church or you want to get into a good church, you need to get into a good church. Uh, If you want to uh, start reading the Bible, pick a Bible that is going to be easy for you to read. There's a lot, lots of good ones out there the message Bible is a good one um, the amplified Bible is a good one because it explains certain words and things like that um, you know even if you need to go uh, to like um, an illustrated Bible that that's fine as well but get into one that's gonna that you're gonna be able to read well what I did when I, when I went and picked the Bible was I went and picked up like four Bibles and I laid them all out and I picked my favorite verse and I, I read my favorite verse or verses in each one of those Bibles and I actually picked the one uh, that I was easy to read for me. Um, and so that's what I did. It was easy to read. It was great. I tried to read the new King or the King James at the beginning. I was like, Oh my gosh, I I wanted to put it down because it was just difficult. So anyway, have faith and he will give you the gifts of grace. And I hope that you get into a good church. If you're not in one, if you're in one, stay in it and and pray and, and, and get involved. But I just want to thank you for joining me today. And again, my name is Scott. This is Glory to God on the go. And I hope to see you next time. Thanks a lot and God bless.